Welcome to another episode of the Deborah Health Report, where we dive into current health and medical topics to keep the Delaware Valley informed and updated. The Heart Health Conversation continues with interventional cardiologist Dr. Muhammad Raza, exploring, diagnosing, and treating coronary artery disease, ideally before your heart takes a hit from it. Here's Raza Kay. Hi, I'm Rasa Kay, continuing our talk with interventional cardiologist Dr. Muhammad Raza at Deborah Heart and Lung Center. Our topic is coronary artery disease, and in this section, we explore diagnosing and treating it ideally before your heart muscle takes a major hit from it. Heartfelt advice and important information from Dr. Raza, starting with the numbers game in staging coronary artery disease, mild, moderate, or severe. Is it by the percentage of one blocked artery or the percentage of blockages overall? It's all of the above, actually. We categorize based on the how severe the blockage is. Uh, in general, when the lumen is narrower by about 30%, we say it's mild coronary disease, or it's under 30%, we call it mild. When it's about 30 to 70% range, we call it moderate, and above 70% is severe. These percentages could vary a little bit uh, depending on what definition we look at it. But in general, uh, mild, moderate, severe, when it's severe, that's more likely patients are going to have symptoms from coronary disease. Then is the extent of coronary disease. Is it one vessel or others? Plaque deposition happens in uh, entire body. It sometimes happens that the plaque is more aggressive in one blood vessel than the others. Uh, once people have a blockage in uh, one coronary artery, they definitely have blockages in others also. The question is how bad that, that is. Whichever blockage is the worst or in the severe range, that's more likely causing symptoms, and we end up fixing them with a stent in the cath lab, whereas the, the ones that are mild or moderate, many times we are able to manage with cholesterol medications because plaque feeds on cholesterol, and if you lower the cholesterol, the plaque growth is significantly reduced. So the mild and moderate blockages could be easily uh, treated and managed with the medications or uh, cholesterol-lowering medications in particular, and some other medications also. So the risk factors then for coronary artery disease, let's kind of break them down. The ones that you can control and the ones that you can't control. Or basically, once you know you have them, can you control them? How do you break it all up and break it down and then put together a plan? Uh, we just are chatting to our patient this morning, actually, who is a younger patient, uh, age 60, has significant blockages in his heart. You know, in addition to taking care of the patient, we also counsel them that the family members, their, their children, or siblings need to be checked because the biggest risk factor is a family history, which essentially is genetic makeup. And there are certain genes that are associated with higher likelihood of coronary disease. And having that information or education on that helps to do certain things that will decrease the risk of coronary disease over the period of time. So for example, if someone has family history or has genetic makeup that is gonna predispose them to have coronary disease. They got to get their cholesterol checked early in their life. They want to make sure their blood pressure is well controlled. They want to lose weight because these are all the risk factors for coronary disease in addition to the genetics. Or you can say that genetics lead to coronary disease through these uh, risk factors. The genetic makeup or family history leading to high cholesterolemia, so high cholesterol levels because plaque is essentially made up of cholesterol. High blood pressure, diabetes mellitus, uh, smoking, obesity, and obviously age 
as you get senior in life, uh, more likelihood that over the years the plaque has built up. So all of those risk factors should be modified to reduce the risk of uh, having coronary disease, causing symptoms and or causing heart attack. And how can we do that? Essentially, the first step is actually being aware of it and seeking help from the doctors, uh, whether it's a or healthcare professional, whether it's a primary care physician, cardiologist, or interventional cardiologist. And in general, those patients are tested for uh, all of these risk factors, and they are optimized and, or treated accordingly. And if you treat and optimize all those risk factors, if you can't prevent coronary disease, you can delay the onset significantly and people can have usually a normal lifespan. The way you diagnose coronary artery disease, it sounds like it's pretty much you know, a visual type of test. You just yes. need to get the good imaging. Yeah. So, or, but what else is involved? Yeah. Uh, so first of all, it's clinical diagnosis, which means that uh, we look at patient's profile of risk factors, family history again, all other risk factors we just discussed. If patient is higher risk for coronary disease, then we screen them for all those blood tests for cholesterol and others. We also check them for coronary calcium score, which is uh, becoming very popular and is very helpful and tells us if there is a calcium deposition in the blood vessel. Essentially what happens is that when plaque builds up in the blood vessels, that plaque then attracts calcium. So we cannot see the cholesterol deposition itself or plaque itself, but once there's calcium in the plaque, we can easily detect that with CAT scan or CT scan. And it's a very low radiation, one-time test, and it helps us to screen those patients who are high risk for coronary disease based on the risk profile or family history. And that tells us what to do with those patients, essentially early intervention with uh, lipid lowering or cholesterol lowering medications and uh, so on and so forth. The other things we can do is if they have atypical symptoms, if somebody's in doubt, somebody's having some symptoms but not sure if they are coming from the coronary disease or, or something else, we end up doing a, a stress test. Either it's the uh, nuclear stress test or stress test in combination with the CAT scan, it's uh, called PET scan. Those tests also screen those patients who are at high risk for uh, coronary disease. And these days, there is uh, the emerging technologies to detect significant coronary disease minimally or non-invasively. And that is, the, is a CAT scan um, or a CTA, CAT scan of the coronary arteries. And there are some additional softwares and additional uh, ways of uh, actually checking if those blockages are, or coronary disease is significant just on the CAT scan without doing a heart catheterization. So there is definitely significant uh, advancement in detection of coronary disease early. Do you ever use cardiac rehab before a heart attack or? It could be before or could be after. So in general, when somebody has a heart attack, definitely we recommend a cardiac rehab. The question is, before that, so let's say if somebody has blockages in the heart and we put stents in, we open up the blockages, we still recommend patients pursue cardiac rehab because they get back on their feet faster, they start exercising regimens, they like it, and they also, cardiac rehab is just not exercise, it's actually a lot of counseling and education for patients. So we strongly recommend to pursue cardiac rehab if they have significant uh, coronary disease or if they had any heart attack. Now you talked about putting a stent in. Ideally you catch this and if you have to put a stent in or catheterize somebody, it's before there's been a heart attack and tissue has been lost, right? 100%. So the goal is to prevent a disease and that's, that's true to any disease, but in particular, as, men, as I mentioned, that patients who have coronary disease we actually counsel them to get their children and younger siblings or siblings in general screened for risk factors to start with and or detect coronary disease early on 
whether it's coronary calcium score, whether it is a screening for other risk factors that they're going to be at high risk for developing coronary disease. So the goal is obviously to have no tissue loss uh, in the heart at all. The kinds of treatments, you said there's for mild, it might be pharmaceutical and lifestyle changes, right? Moderate would be, continue all of that, yes. but in terms of procedures, what for moderate, is a procedure possibly involved? So moderate, as you know, is in the middle, so it's all based on how patient is feeling also. So if patient is saying, I have chest discomfort when I go for my groceries, or I have chest discomfort when, when I walk my dog, and they have a moderate disease on the CAT scan or the coronary angiogram, we then go a step forward and we actually place a wire in that moderate disease and then we check the pressure across that blockage and that can tell us if this is really moderate looking on the angiogram or CAT scan, but in, in fact, it's a significant blockage. It's actually is, a, is in the severe range and we end up uh, then fixing that. So it starts with how the patient is feeling. If a patient with moderate disease is feeling fine uh, and have no symptoms, we actually try pharmaceuticals uh, and lifestyle modification. If patient is not feeling well with uh, uh, moderate disease uh, and pharmaceuticals are not working, then obviously you go to the next step, and that is uh, taking the patient back to cath lab and then reassessing that moderate blockage. If there's a severe blockage, then obviously we end up uh, fixing with a stent. The good news for patients who have coronary disease in this day and age is that the procedure we do to fix that is, is radial. So essentially, uh, we enter uh, the wrist uh, with a very small catheter. Patient is very comfortable, doesn't feel anything because we give uh, sedation and uh, local anesthesia. And, and through that one, two millimeter hole in the wrist, we thread the catheter into the heart and then we wire the blood vessel that has a blockage, and then we place a stent to open the blockage. It takes somewhere between uh, 20 to 30 minutes on an average to open a blockage, and patients uh, is you know, sitting up after the procedure because it was a wrist procedure, and uh, patient goes home same day. We are 100% uh, radial lab, which means that uh, our first approach is always radial access, which is safer and more convenient to the patient, also, we are one of the uh, busiest centers in the country where we send patients uh, home same day. So same day discharge, they're back to their family and they're kind of not uh, facing the anxiety of the hospital and all those uh, bells and whistles in the hospital. Short of a heart attack bringing somebody into you know the ER, do you ever stumble on a severe case of coronary artery disease that somebody had no idea? It would seem that there would have been symptoms, but is it ever a huge surprise all around? It is many times a huge surprise to the patient and family, but when we review the information in general, we kind of say this patient is going to most likely have the blockages, again, based on their uh, uh, risk factors, their family history, and so on and so forth, or their other testing before coming to the cath lab. But are we shocked? Sometimes, yes. We had actually had a patient who is 40 years old female, so less often coronary disease happens in females, and she has uh, no known family history of coronary disease, and uh, she continued to have recurrent chest discomfort, visit to the emergency rooms, and we ended up doing a cardiac catheterization, and she had multiple blockages. So it was a surprise to all of us. Have we seen this very often? Yes. Unfortunately, we are in this field. We do heart catheterization every day. So 
less and less uh, surprises we see, but for the patient and the family, many times this could be a shocking. You know, you're, you've got the heartburn and boy, you really want it to just be heartburn. So you'll just pop those antacids like for hours hoping, and in the meantime, damage is, is occurring. The takeaway from everything you've just said is pay attention to those symptoms. You shouldn't be having chest pain. Yes, as I said before, if we manage coronary disease properly, patient lifespan is pretty much similar to if they did not have coronary disease. Uh, not quite the same, but similar. But the important thing is do not ignore symptoms. And actually this happens very often when people ignore symptoms. Interesting story, I had a patient who had a blocked valve, similar uh, condition is the blockage instead of in the blood vessel, the blockage is in the, one of the valves in the heart. And every time I asked the patient, do you have any symptoms? And she said, absolutely no. I, I'm completely fine, I do everything I wanna do, but I have to tell you something. I think my vacuum cleaner needs to be changed. And she said, when I push it, I get out of breath. And I think it's heavier, and I think it's not working properly. We tested her and she had a critical valve blockage. Once we fixed the valve, she called me back a week later and she said, the vacuum cleaner does not need to be replaced. <laughs> so it's very common people ignore their symptoms and they blame on other things, whether it's allergies, whether it's a heartburn, whether it's the just getting old. One of the common things I hear is that, oh, well, I'm getting old. I mean, what are you gonna expect? The reminder is that do not ignore your symptoms. You talked about procedures. Are there surgeries that ever come into play? Fortunately, vast majority of coronary disease in this day and age is managed with stents and transcatheter procedures. But there are conditions where we do recommend open heart surgery, that is, uh, when somebody is really young and they have too many blockages and we feel like putting many, many stents is not a good idea and we can refer for a, a open heart surgery where a bypass grafts could be done and there are certain kind of grafts, for example, the arterial grafts, they last longer than the venous graft. So we have the expertise at our center. So in case we feel that stenting is not the right thing, we do make an offer uh, and recommendation to the patient for uh, coronary artery bypass surgery. But none of this is what would be considered a cure. It depends on the definition of that. So can we cure the symptoms? Yes. Can we prevent the blockages or coronary disease getting worse? We can definitely slow that down. Can we eliminate the plaque which is there? The answer is no, we can't do that. And this is why it is really important to get to a patient before these uh, blockages happen, these, this coronary disease or plaque starts building up. And that's early recognition, early awareness for people to go and get checked. But we can manage it, we can uh, alleviate symptoms, and we can obviously prevent future events, but we can't get the plaque out of the body completely. Lifestyle health advice for somebody who then is living with coronary artery disease. Most patients will tell me they already know what they should be doing, but we do remind them to eat healthy, there is literature that uh, Mediterranean diet in general is a better diet for those patients compared to other diets we have. Daily walking or an exercise regimen, going to gym or just having a buddy or have a dog walking every day and in general is very, very helpful to prevent the plaque uh, growing. In addition to that, obviously, is quit smoking. If somebody's smoking, lose weight, take uh, medications for cholesterol, aspirin in general every day, and then also seek medical help whenever need be. And they should definitely, every single patient who has coronary disease should see their, their doctor, primary doctor, and a cardiologist on a regular basis. The health risks of loneliness 
have been in the news. How do social supports impact this disease? Social support is key to manage anything. In general, having support and having a support where people are aware of your condition and they are constantly giving you positive reinforcement to go to exercise and, and eat healthy and they're also trying to eat healthy along with you and they're supporting you through the process. If this is early on in the coronary disease, then it's all risk factor modification. It's all about living a healthy lifestyle. And if it's more advanced coronary disease, which means you already had a heart attack and your heart function is already reduced and you have heart failure, then obviously more support is more helpful to keep you positive and prevent your cardiovascular events in the future. If you're concerned about coronary artery disease, what should send you to the doctor? Back in the days, usual recommendation would be, oh, when you have symptoms, see the doctor. Now the paradigm has shifted just because our understanding of the disease has significantly improved. We recommend if you are at risk for developing a coronary disease or a disease, but we're talking about coronary disease, make sure you seek a medical advice because the goal is to prevent a disease first. And then obviously if there is a disease, then manage it accordingly. Every patient who is at risk for coronary disease should be seeing a primary care physician to start with. If they have significant risk factors or if the primary care physician feels that this is more than prevention, then they should definitely see a cardiologist. What is in the pipeline that uh, you're keeping your eye on? Treatments, diagnosis, all of this. There is a lot happening in the field of genetics. Trials happening that based on the certain genetic makeup, you can predict pretty confidently that this patient most likely is going to have coronary disease, very similar to certain genes that will predispose for breast cancer or other cancer. Same way, there are genes associated with coronary disease. So the genetic field is growing and it's going to help every single patient. Even as a child, you can have genetic makeup checked and see if you are at high risk for developing coronary disease. So you start the intervention very early on. We are not quite there yet, but we are almost getting there. The second thing is the fortunately innovation and pharmaceuticals have significantly helped in the field. Uh, so there are newer and newer medications. So right now, patients take uh, cholesterol medication on a daily basis. Now we have therapies coming into the market. There's some of them are already in the market where you can take one subcutaneous injection every six months, we're hoping maybe every year. So essentially the compliance will significantly improve and that will lower the cholesterol and prevent the progression of atherosclerotic plaque. Then there is a technical advancement in the cath lab. Back in the days, you know, all the coronary disease management in the cath lab would be from the groin. Now it's all radials for many years. The technology on the wires and the stents and the catheter we use to treat coronaries are significantly improving day by day. There are newer and newer stents coming into the market and we are hoping that we have stents that would, uh, with the passage of time, dissolve and not be there after we fix the blockage in the cath lab. We already had some progress in that field, but it's, it's a lot more to come. That's interventional cardiologist Dr. Muhammad Raza at Deborah Heart and Lung Center on coronary artery disease. Check in with us here for more to help you understand how you can maximize your health and well-being from the experts at Deborah. Our next podcast drops the first Wednesday of the month. I'm Rasa Kay. You can always listen to all of the informative Deborah doctor interviews at DeborahHealthReport.com. Schedule an appointment at DemandDeborah.org.